Hey, welcome to the local youth. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a, what, a, what a quick change. My name is John Parrott. That, that would be actually... funny. We should all talk as someone else. <laughs> Ooh, that could work, yeah. Like the band that switches instruments. We just yes. kind of rotate. There you go. Leave it to leave it to Joe. Director of worship. All right. Welcome to another episode, everyone. Uh, today I have a lot of people on uh, the podcast. And actually, you know, I was thinking before I started recording, this might be history uh, for the local youth worker. I don't know if I've ever had four guests on at the same time. Um, I might have, but I, I don't remember. So somebody can correct me on that. Um, but today, these are not just any guests. These are my co-workers uh, from RYM. So guys, how, how's it going? Crickets. My internet broke up right at that point. I'm sorry. <laughs> my internet's kind of struggling right now. When your, your lips look a little delayed on yeah. audio. If, but if only the world good. could see his lips delayed. <laughs> So look, let's go ahead and say name, title, and location uh, of all of you, wherever you are. And I thought maybe oldest to youngest. Um, so not trying to put Michael on the spot as the oldest. But <laughs> all right, then. Go, was, go ahead. For about a half a second, I thought to myself, is there any math that needs to be done? And then I realized, <laughs> no, just not at all. Uh, anyway, yeah, so... Uh, uh, Michael Hall. I am uh, the director of training, also serving as interim director, um, uh, which has been super fun. I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. I've uh, been here since 2012 and uh, love it up here on the east side. And Tell us you... how old you are. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've locked into 37 for quite some time now. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joe, that's you next, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, I, my name is Joe Deegan. I am in Houston, Texas right now, and I'm the worship resource coordinator and have been in Houston for 11 years now, originally from Alabama. Hey, Joel May. Um, I am the youth conference coordinator, and I am currently in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a full-time student in RTS here in Charlotte and uh, working part-time with RYM. And originally from Georgia, but we've enjoyed Charlotte so far the past few years. Hey, y'all. I'm uh, Margaret Shelton. Kind of funny to say I used to be Margaret Duren. Um, <laughs> I am the Director of Business Operations for RYM. Um, I am currently in Macon, Georgia. Just moved from Houston. So enjoying all the new Georgia things. Yeah. And you're, what, what are you, are you two weeks now in Georgia or three? Almost a little over a month, actually. So okay. like six weeks, which is crazy. Time is flying. Nice. Okay. And then listen, I've got to give a shout out to my coworkers today. I just want the listeners to know we were going to record this later this afternoon, but they all changed their schedules because my daughter is running in a cross country meet and we can say stupid COVID messed up the cross country meet, changed the time. And so they all adjusted their schedules to make this happen. So not only is it, five total people trying to adjust their schedules, but two different time zones as well. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, my coworkers for making that happen. Sarah, yeah, 5 so a, you. You know, 5 a.m. Central time was, I mean, y'all are <laughs> on Central. That's really early for y'all. So yeah, we're, we're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. My, my joke was going to be, you made me uh, listen to my morning podcast at double speed instead of 1.5. <laughs> 
Hey, that that's a sacrifice because I mean you're missing a ton there if it's on double speed. Uh, yeah. That's that's hard. Um, so look, I know I just thank you guys, and now I'm I'm throwing you under the bus because I'm bringing up a question that I did not prepare y'all for. Um, but I thought this would be fun uh, just to put you guys on the spot. <laughs> um, and actually, Michael, you you kind of jogged this, uh, or I guess you brought this up last week as a possibility. Look, there's a lot of streaming that's been going on during this COVID season. Um, so I thought we would all just share, okay, best and worst thing that you've streamed during this COVID season. So kind of from March until now, okay, the best thing that you've streamed and then the worst thing that you've streamed. Um, maybe raise your hand, who wants to go first? And then also, do you want to go with worst first or let's go with worst to save the best for last, right? So worst first, who wants to start us off? Ooh. And when you say stream, it could be, it could be audio, it could be video. Sure. Yeah. It could be a, a podcast if we want to throw that in there. The local youth worker doesn't count, but um, if it's any other podcast and it could be, doesn't have to be a movie. It could be a TV show. And look, since I'm putting you on the spot, I'll be gracious. And I'll go first with the worst thing that I've streamed is Outer Banks. All right. I'm going to completely throw <laughs> that stupid piece of trash under the bus. Um, it is hard to watch. It's so terrible. We, we and, watched that one. I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, see, yeah. Sarah is wanting to watch it. And a lot of her friends were watching it. And so I'm like, okay, let's just see what this is about. And just the acting was pretty pretty bad uh the melodrama i mean just cliches it was just very it hard. was ridiculous but it was entertaining sure. uh is joe locking up or is that me yeah uh, that was me i think okay so okay that's my worst somebody else we can go kind of quick through these maybe I watched Twilight the other night and that was the <laughs> first time I'd ever seen it and I wow. don't think I want to continue watching it was pretty bad <laughs> Um, just wasn't impressed with the acting or the story. So, you know, but I also did enjoy Outer Banks, but that could also just be me. <laughs> this is turning into a hilarious commentary on. So what is that called in, t in movies like suspension of disbelief? Like that mm. didn't do it for you there, Margaret. You, you know, the vampire thing is like probably not going to happen. Yeah, it's not my thing. Did you notice how the roads were always damp? In that in that yeah. movie, they were in like they were in the uh, Pacific Northwest, right? That's right. It's always wet and gray. All you all you Seattleians, let us know if that's uh if that's the reality, or I guess it's in Portland or something like that. Shout out to Chantel Krieger, that's right, a, a, a regular on the podcast. Um, yeah. John, so when it comes to like streaming stuff, we don't stream a ton, and we especially don't stream a ton of stuff that doesn't already have really good reviews. Like I just refuse to watch or listen to things that have bad reviews. So typically what happens is something has really good reviews. So we watch it and instead of it being bad, it just ends up being really depressing and way heavier <laughs> than we realized it was going to be. Like we watched, uh, we watched Manchester by the sea a few uh. days ago and it was like, we should have done a little bit of research to know that we were going to be depressed the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, it was an incredible movie and Casey Affleck was great, but like, yeah, that, that's sort of the, the bad side of streaming for me. Uh, the good side, 
this is not new and it wasn't my first time watching it, but I rewatched Inception a couple weeks ago and it was just as good as I remembered it being. And, you know, like any Christopher Nolan movie, I picked up on a million things that I hadn't before. So that, that might be the best thing since March, honestly. Nice. And I guess I've got to ask, has anybody seen Tenet yet? No. It's not out, is it? Is it? It is, yeah. Oh. I opened the theaters last weekend, or two weekends ago, by the time of this recording. So the this National is just going to be a... Still, the National Guard is still protecting anyone from entering our theaters. <laughs> um, that's an overstatement, but... So best and worst, who else? Okay, I mean, my, my best and worst were actually not necessarily streamed. They were both live. But we, the last season of The Bachelor was the worst. Uh, <laughs> I don't you. remember when that came out, but we, that was bad. But the best thing we watched was also another reality show. Uh, this last season of Survivor was the best season of all 40 seasons. It was incredible. Mm. I'm a huge Survivor fan. And it was our favorite thing to do every Wednesday night during the worst of the pandemic. It was a bright spot in our weeks. And we, we had a great time. And that. notice you said 40 seasons, four zero. 40 seasons. Yes. They do two a year. So it's been going on 20 straight years. They started uh -huh. in 2000. Oh, the other th fun thing we streamed, I finally got my wife to watch some of the Marvel movies with me. Hmm. I trimmed it down to like the best 10 movies that I thought. And that was really fun too. Nice. Nice. And I do, let me give a shout out as Michael's thinking too. Dude Perfect. Okay. Our family has streamed a lot of Dude Perfect over COVID. And Michael, you kind of, I had seen some Dude Perfect, but you, I think you shared the, uh, their stereotypes and they did the COVID or the quarantine stereotypes. And that was yeah. hilarious. And uh, from that, we watched their documentary, which is awesome if you haven't seen it. And I'm serious. If you make it through that without crying, um, you have no soul because it is amazing <laughs> what some of those guys, I mean, they're, they're outspoken Christians, but some of the way they use that platform is is pretty awesome so check that out it's free on youtube so that's a free stream for the family there you go man i this is I, i'm people ask like it's your favorite movie or your whatever i just i kind of freeze my brain just kind of goes to to cauliflower but uh um uh i just said cauliflower um uh, twice now um i think i mean i would have to say the the worst because I don't, I, I don't watch a lot of slash stream a whole lot. It kind of comes in spurts or whatever. And I, and I like Joel. I typically don't give it my time if I don't have a decent I belief that it's going to be worth my time. Someone has said you should watch this or whatever. But um, I decided to listen to what I like to do is after like the, the movie awards come out, I like to try to watch all those movies that I've never heard of that win all the awards, um, which is perpetually every year. But uh, so I finally remembered that I wanted to watch Parasite. So I watched Parasite uh, not terribly long ago. I can't remember what streaming service I found it on. And I was like, oh, wow, there it is. Um, and, uh, and I watched it. And like, I want to, like, I'm not a movie critic. I'm not like smart movie person. But like, I was just, I would say that probably was one of the two. I'll give you two things that are like the worst thing I've streamed. And it's not about. Like, I don't want to say anything that would be like a, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a spoiler or whatever for people. But, like, you just kind of left me going, huh? Uh, and I think it just means I'm not deep enough. Um, like, I was able to picture, like, I'm able to do a little bit of the math, like the name of the movie and some of the stuff's going on. But, like, I think it, maybe it's just because I wanted more. Um, maybe it's just begging a sequel. I don't know. But I, uh, I knew something was going to shake down. And when it finally did, I was like, okay. But, no, I appreciated a lot of it. But I was like, really? Uh, I just – 
gave you that much time and now I feel kind of empty inside. <laughs> uh, but then the other would be, um, uh, so I'm, uh, to date me, you know, I graduated high school in 1991. Um, and, uh, and that means, you know, I'm a child of the eighties. Um, but I was very disappointed. What I love to do on Spotify is like find people who make playlists from certain years or whatever. Um, the quality difference between best of 1990 and best of 1991. Um, I was very disappointed by whoever it is that created the best of 1990, uh, a playlist on Spotify. I, I made like three songs in even on shuffle. And I was like, either, I don't remember that very dark year in my life musically. It was really that bad or, uh, but 1991, very solid stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that was Nirvana, good. right? Nirvana was rocking. Yeah, it was uh, kind of the um, uh, second wave of Guns N' Roses when they're coming out with their Use Your Own Illusion or we'll Use Your Illusion or whatever. We had the Civil War and November Rain stuff going on. But uh, Pearl Jam anyway. right around the corner. Oh, yes. Uh, whenever <laughs> I rent a car, I love getting Sirius FM because you can go Pearl Jam radio and just hmm. nothing but Pearl Jam. But anyway, so that's kind of a, a silly thing. But at the same time, 1990s, uh, best of there's probably a couple of them on spotify but the one i tried was a really a downer hmm. um disappointing to remember certain things from those days like yeah. why was like paul abdul was a part of my musical history and it's really disturbing um <laughs> but anyway i'll stop there best thing i've streamed and thankfully this is an adult podcast and you'll forgive me but uh it's certainly got its crude stuff but i, I love kind of british humor stuff but when i uh I, I saw a preview for ted lasso which is i think on on apple and it's basically a whole TV show built off of, I think it's an SNL skit where they get a, an American football oh, yeah. coach goes over to coach a <laughs> soccer team. He doesn't know anything about it. And we didn't think it was just going to be kind of silliness, but it's, it's kind of an endearing, uh, if you're not disturbed by some crash, some crass uh, humor and some language. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty endearing little show. Um, and Apple's been in, con in, in unconventional. There's the word I'm looking for where they're releasing it once a week instead of like mm. just pumping the whole season out. So anyway, I've enjoyed that little storyline and uh, the characters in it. It's funny. And, um, but again, I haven't watched a whole lot. So uh, I just watch and rewatch Parks and Rec. So that's always good. But mm -hmm. anyway. And that's I'll Jason Sudeikis, right? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Speaking of sports and things coming out a week at a time, I completely forgot about this. The Last Dance. Ah, that was the best thing I streamed. Good this call. Whole time. Good call. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna change mine to that as well. We've only <laughs> watched it like weeks and weeks after everyone else, the entire world watched it. Good thing is, like, there were no spoiler alerts because <laughs> you know so, what happens. Like, you won't believe it. Michael Jordan won. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was incredibly well made. Yeah. So, uh, somebody's listening right now, and they did not know, and they're like, "Joe, what?" Like, <laughs> I'm spoiler watching. I'm rewatching the 1970 season of the NBA right now. Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> no, yeah, that was incredible. And the way they told that story, where they'd go back and forth and kind of show their, you know, upbringing as yep. well as previous seasons and the overlap. To me, just mapping that out alone to tell that story was was phenomenal. Um, so look, it, this. Well, we probably need to do this more often. Can I have just some kind of segment where we talk about <laughs> what we're watching? Uh, I enjoy that. I don't know if others, others will, but season seven is not about what we've streamed. It's entitled COVID Discipleship, as our, our listeners know. And we've been getting uh, behind the scenes on a lot of youth ministry. 
um, and it just kind of youth workers dealing with this pandemic and trying to be faithful to disciple student, students. And so we wanted to give our listeners a behind the scenes of, of RYM. And as we were going through this pandemic in unique ways, how it's, it's impacted us. So I thought we would share a little bit about um, the ministry and uh, give some of our perspective and, and talk about how the Lord uh, was teaching us various things as well. Um, so Michael, look, as our uh, RYM's executive director, I thought maybe you could speak to just, you know, leading a staff. I mean, one, you're wearing multiple hats. <laughs> um, you've been doing that for, for a while, but, you know, leading our staff, communicating with the board, um, maybe even starting there a little bit, telling people just a little bit about RYM's board and uh, then our communication with them and how we were, you know, trying to make decisions during this insane time. So how does that sound? Do you want to start there? Sure. Uh, as you guys hear me say, some t- I, like, I like to start I don't know who first got me on it, but I love to start, you know, at high altitude, you know, there's a high altitude comment. And that's kind of where I live. People who've worked with me over the years, um, uh, shout out to a bunch of incredible uh, co-workers at three different churches. But like, I always had to have people who had feet on the ground because I would live in, in the high altitude world, the vision world, the kind of what are we trying to do and what are these lofty goals? Um, but anyway, we, you know, 2020 for us uh, and for me as a, as a ministry year, like we came out of 2019 um, going into 2020 in the middle of some uh, you know, transition for sure. Um, and uh, uh, in, in beginning the year looking for, uh, we were super excited about hiring a new uh, business operations person who you'll meet soon. And, and, uh, uh, and at our October board meeting, you know, I was sapped with the interim executive director role while doing director training stuff. And, and it kind of, I loved it because it gave me a chance to, like Joel, John said, engage with the board to hear more about what's going on, uh, bigger picture, and then begin to, um, to kind of grab the steering wheel a little bit about where we kind of hoped uh, we would be going in the future. And, and we began 2020 with this. And we, I think I remember even in staff meetings, we joked around about 2020 is just going to be a year of clarity. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna really hone in and do. We're gonna make steps towards excellence on the things that we really do. We are, you know, we're all about serving local churches in their youth ministry efforts with summer conferences, training for youth workers, and resources. And we're gonna just, just lean into those things and kind of push any other kind of projects that we were teasing out and beginning off. So the 2020 we could really do a lot of growth internally. Uh, we would get this business director come in and, and so far Margaret's doing a lot of this, but like we would clean up a lot of our systems, become more institutionally sound. We clean up our financials, we do all this kind of stuff and have an epic year. Um, and registration started for summer conferences and, and they were just going out the, out the, out the roof, uh, out the roof and out the wazoo. Didn't work for me there, but anyway, um, just bring them, bring them together. Uh, it's fine. Uh, out it's the fine. wazoo. Uh, I digress. Um, you know, we, we just started the year off really strong. Uh, we had a great retreat and, and a great uh, YLT in Nashville. And then uh, the, Nash, the YLT happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, incredible speakers, great intimate kind of time with, with leaders and just fellowship and worship. It was really sweet. Uh, Margaret was able to join us in, in Pennsylvania. And we began to kind of lay the tracks for where we were headed. And, and it was kind of during the, the, the March uh, YLT that the news began to build about this, uh, this virus and what may shake down. And literally within 10 days, you know, at least where I was in Virginia, schools were shut and everything was quarantined. And it was just like, wow, uh, it went from like, I wonder if this will affect summer conferences to, uh, to what became, um, 
kind of a mixed bag for the staff and our board, um, you know, for about six, maybe eight weeks in a row, we met weekly with the board to discuss um, updates on, you know, the staff was doing a lot of research on what we can and can't do and everything was up in the air. You know, the, the target changed every day during the spring. Y'all, you know, the listeners probably remember this as well, trying to figure what they could and couldn't do in their local context. And we're, you know, everything was pointing towards uh, a lot of challenges for us in the summer. But as we wrestled together with what would be the best way to serve the church as it relates to summer conferences, our board and the staff, we got to meet a lot and, and really be honest with one another and continue to, to hear some really, really encouraging things from our board members to, uh, to think big, to, uh, to, to not be di directed by fear, uh, to remember who we are over and over and over. And that was this clarity message. Hey, we are, a, we are an independent nonprofit that loves the church, wants to serve the church in these three areas. And our conversations were focused on what would it look like to create an excellent conference situation with all these different things going on. And, um, you know, slowly but surely, we ended up having to cancel all of them. Um, but the great thing about that, at no point did we just quickly pull the trigger because it was going to be too hard, uh, nor did we uh, belabor the point just, you know, for the sake of hoping against hope. We really were wrestling with all kinds of different scenarios. And in the meantime, the staff and the board, I feel like, was able to build some relationship and some rapport so that now as we ease into the uh, the planning for post, we're still in the midst of COVID and, you know, COVID is going to affect next summer maybe a little bit we don't know we don't know how that's going to play out but we know it won't it's not going to disappear in six to eight months um we're we're in a better place as an organization because of the kind of the crucible that put us into um and uh so i think for me it has been i think some of the most stressful frustrating uh you know one of the few times in my ministry life where i had lots of nights where i didn't get much sleep just because i was tossing and turning uh, that was kind of that April, May time frame. Um, but the thing that kept bringing me towards uh, real encouragement and hope was, was board members and staff members kind of reminding me and us reminding each other of things that we hold dear in our wine. You guys hear us say a lot of times that God is at work. Um, as a God loved his church before we existed, he'll love it after. And he's at work, uh, even when it feels like he's not. Um, and these truths, uh, these promises that we could lean into, even before seeing the answers to those promises, how they're going to particularly play out became a real, a real balm um, for my soul and for, for ours as an organization. Um, I don't do succinct well, but I'm going to stop there. Uh, no, honestly, no, speaking to succinct, I was impressed at how you answered that question because you just summed up like March until September and hit on about every single thing I, I was thinking. I thought that was very uh, well said, Michael. A good job. Just encouraging you there. September 14, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> first time ever <laughs> put, put it on the calendar everybody um no I, you know i was thinking as you're saying that uh, you know so many youth workers have said you know okay they've got the parents who are saying please take our children we want you to do something and you've got the parents that are saying you're insane don't even think about having youth ministry and i was thinking you know so much of what you just said i mean that's what rym was kind of dealing with behind the scenes i mean i don't know three 100, 400 churches that are somewhat involved in our conferences this uh, over a summer. And, you know, we're hearing from some telling us not to have conferences at all. Some that are telling us, please have conferences. We've got the board who's hearing some of this talk. We as individual staff, are, we're hearing these things. So it was just a whirlwind of, okay, how can we be faithful and uh, try to wrestle with this? So it was, uh, yeah, a lot of highs and lows for sure 
Um, and, and really, I kind of want to take us back a little bit, Margaret, uh, to your introduction to the staff, because really it was around that, that time uh, where, uh, you know, we were starting to deal with COVID uh, more significantly. Because Margaret, remind me, when did you officially come on staff? Is it February? I think I got the phone call that I was hired on February 17th. Okay. I'm sure that All was right. the day. All right. So you came on staff February 17th. I know your first like official conference with us as a staff member was YLT Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, it was. It was great. I've never been to a YLT, so I was super excited to go. Um, yeah. I remember, I think at the end of it, Michael pulled me aside and said, we're gonna have to come up with an email just kind of addressing this COVID issue. Uh, but we'll think about that when we get home. And then <laughs> yeah. here we are. <laughs> yeah. No- and I can remember, as I've said on here, you know, I heard a few people at Wild Team Nashville kind of mentioning coronavirus, and I knew it was kind of in the news a little bit. But then, you know, as we're literally flying home from Wild Tea in uh, Paradise, Pennsylvania, that's when it, it really started to, you know, churches were closing down that next week and everything. And and so really, I'd love for you just to share, you know, as I think about your coming on to RYM, like one word, transition, uh, because you're graduating, you're coming on staff, you're planning a wedding. And you're also trying to assist with the ministry and plan for the summer. So just kind of share some of your perspective as you came on staff. Yeah. So I guess one of the biggest things I was, I'm very thankful that the timing worked out. Um, I have a lot of friends that did not graduate early. I graduated a semester early and was a little bit uncertain about that. Was kind of thinking, oh, I'll miss out on my last semester of college. But um, ended up, it worked out much better because no one in my class really had a last semester. So I got the graduation um, and then I was able to get a job, which I was super excited about. Um, So the timing really worked out well for that. It was definitely odd coming on um, and then having all these expectations for an awesome summer 2020 and then all of them just kind of, um, I don't know. Yeah, just everything shutting down. Yeah, because it was, I mean, even us, I'm thinking as a staff, you know, we typically would do some kind of staff retreat. uh, Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, Yeah. and so I'm sure we've, we had those discussions, you know, okay, yeah, we'll get together in April, we'll kind of talk about the summer, that disappears. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was just a very uncertain time. Um, Yes, planning a wedding was super fun, lots of uncertainty, kind of just like, um, all of our board mem- our board meetings and staff meetings, we were just trying to figure out what we could do, what we couldn't do. Um, but I think the Lord put us exactly where we needed to be in the exact time. So still learning through that. But um, yeah. I'll say this too about Margaret. We So Margaret was in my youth group when I was a youth leader at Christ the King Presbyterian. So I've known her for a long time. She was here in Houston when she got hired, but I knew, you know, you were getting married in the summer and moving to Georgia. So I was thinking, okay, we've got a few months that I get to have a fellow employee here in the same city with me. We'll go to coffee shops and we'll get together. And actually like, I get to work in person with someone and literally like two weeks after she's hired, the world shuts down. And so I got no, <laughs> Margaret and I were just a few miles away from each other and we were still working remotely. Uh, yeah. That's what happened to us. Well, what, what's kind of funny too is like, I haven't, obviously I haven't known Margaret nearly as long as you have Joe, but I've known Margaret, what, for like four years now, something like that, doing summer intern stuff. And I have not, I haven't seen you since you've come on staff because I wasn't at YLT Paradise. I I was in school. 
So I didn't go to YLT Paradise because it was the week before my spring break at RTS, and I was too worried. I was worried that I was going to miss too many classes. I, w- I was worried that I wasn't going to be in person at enough classes that semester if I, if I skipped classes and went to, to YLT Paradise. And then the next week, everything shut down, and I was like, well – Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I, I literally haven't seen Margaret since like last summer and haven't seen her since she got on staff. So, hey, Margaret. Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I was hoping to see Margaret at her wedding, um, but then, yeah, our family got sick and we could not come to your wedding. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I was hoping that could be a time where maybe some of the staff were getting to see each other. Um, but Joel, this could be a good segue to, to talking to you a little bit, um, because I'd love for you to share just as you were trying to train and <clears throat> pastor and prepare summer interns, which we, we said, you know, Margaret served as a summer intern uh, before coming on staff full time. Um, but you were doing all this too, Joel, while being a student in seminary. And, and how many hours did you have this, this spring? Uh, in the spring, I, I backed off a little bit. I, I think I only had nine maybe 10 hours. Um, uh, that's a pretty the, solid uh, load though. Nine to 10 hours. Before that, I had 15 going into <laughs> the summer, which I definitely learned from. So I, I kicked it back a little bit this past spring. But yeah, Joe, why don't you just, you know, let our listeners know a little bit about what you do. I mean, trying to, I, I just, so much of this is a headache thinking of our distinct roles and, and trying to take care of things this summer. But as you're recruiting people to be summer interns for a conference that might not even take place and trying to get them excited about it, prepared, all that kind of stuff, just, just share a little bit about what you do and then kind of that process going through that. Yeah. So when you, we first start, like when we first open up applications and start doing interviews and recruiting and that sort of thing, it's in October. And then I'm doing interviews in November and December. I'm hiring people, people at the end of December, beginning of January. And then we start training usually first week of February and then really start training more in March, late March, moving into the summer. And, you know, with 15, 16 people on Zoom calls, training them for a very hands-on, heavily relational uh, job that is done only in person at summer conferences, like already the training of interns is, is super hard prior to conferences. Usually it takes us about a week, a week and a half, sometimes two weeks, sort of depending on what the schedule is like of actually being together in person at conferences until we really start to feel comfortable with each other and really start to come together as a team sometimes. So it's already, I mean, it's already really difficult to do any sort of like concrete training for interns just in a normal summer, because like how much can you really teach someone how to run a Frisbee tournament or how to, you know, how to unload U-Haul trucks full of Sam's Club food orders in Colorado or like, you know, it's just, it's sort of a, a traveling circus is what we always say. So you add on top of that, that the only concrete things that I could give them, which are like flight numbers and, you know, arrival times and travel, you know, just like all these things that typically we would say, okay, 
we're going to have to wait to do the in-person stuff until we're in person. But here's what I can tell you on the front end. Like here's some stuff that can sort of logistically prepare you moving forward. Every single meeting with interns, I would come into it and I, they would ask me questions and I'd say, honestly, that we're not sure that's still up in the air. We have to sort of wait and see how that pans out. And, uh, and man, I mean, I cannot, I, I told the interns this over and over again, and I told y'all this in our meetings, just, I, I cannot brag on our interns from this past summer enough and how flexible and how gracious and how understanding all of them were. Um, we, we had a lot of people who would have liked to have concrete timelines and would have liked to have black and white answers. And, um, yeah, I mean, just the, the generosity that they showed in those areas was, was huge. Mm. So honestly, about halfway through the spring when we were doing our training sessions, I just, uh, I sort of shifted my focus from like, okay, let's, let's not try and do as much logistical planning and thinking ahead and giving concrete timelines. Let's shift more towards as much as you can on zoom as much as you can with varied schedules and with things being up in the air, let's try and build some of these relationships. Let's try and cultivate some of these good team dynamics. So like we started playing games on zoom for meetings and we started to do like, you know, more fun little uh, non-committal stuff. And I would lead a, a Bible study, a very, very short, you know, four minute devotional. We would ask questions and stuff on the front end of meetings and then, you know, I would pray us out. But in between, it wasn't like, you know, this is when we're departing Denver and this is when we're landing and, you know, here's our locker number in Florida. It was more like, all right, everyone pull up this app on your phone. This is how you play this game. And then just sort of like, let's have fun and try and become a team before who knows what happens this summer happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the only possible – the only possible ways of training people was, was sort of taken away. And, uh, and we, we really had to be creative and really had to be patient and really had to, uh, to learn to be flexible. And the interns were amazing. Yeah. And just to highlight that a little bit, I mean, there's, I'm impressed with the summer interns every summer. Um, talk about an exhausting job. Uh, I mean, just high energy all day long, uh, going all over the place, doing absolutely everything and having to be happy and exciting and energetic <laughs> the whole time. Um, but, but to think of so many of them too, this summer where they're trying to have some kind of summer, uh, you know, job that they're going to do and then them not even knowing if they're going to be able to have any kind of job this summer. And then some of them even traveling to go with you uh, to Laguna to film for our virtual conference, uh, which is, is awesome. People can yeah, check that out. I know we'll talk about that some more in just a minute. Um, Joe, I wanted to hear from you um, just specifically, you know, talking about your role as well. I mean, you're trying to recruit a band, um, you know, I mean, really some of that is starting kind of early, I guess, winter season. You're trying to get people recruited for the summer, maybe even before that in the fall, uh, but then going back and forth and then also trying to fly them in for the virtual stuff, editing, all that kind of stuff. Just talk to us a little bit about your perspective on all this. Well, yeah, I, I prep, uh, early by getting band members to come in. And I guess this was kind of providential. Normally I'll get I mean, this, just a tiny little detail in, uh, 
in hiring Margaret as our business operations. But so normally we'll get the, the band members to book their own flights and then we'll reimburse them. But because Margaret came on, we decided to kind of centralize uh, where the money was coming from. And we decided that this year we were going to book all the flights for them, which ended up being providential because we actually didn't book any flights ahead of time that had we just kind of let everybody loose to go book their flights. Uh, I don't know what we would have done uh, mm. because all the band members I recruited uh, ended up not being able to go anywhere, obviously, because the, the camps were canceled. So I guess like all of us, we had to, we had to kind of go down two different paths at the same time throughout the spring. We had to plan as if the summer camps were hap- happening, but we also had to think about the backup plan and what we were going to do. And, you know, I spent the whole spring, getting the band members together, you know, coming up with a song list for each camp, uh, core charts and all that stuff, knowing that that could change. And it did. And at the last minute we had to, to shift uh, to the virtual conference and we had to have a completely different train of thought, which was to do videos and to do recording. And so I ended up recruiting three regular musicians from Nashville who had been at a lot of our camps and three more from Houston who have been to several of our camps. And we all met together in Houston. I flew the Nashville guys in. They stayed at our house for a couple nights. It was really fun. We got to go to our church and record and do some music. We had some serious technical difficulties the day we showed up. Margaret was there helping video, but we, uh, our plan was to start at like 8 a.m., and finished by five with the hope that we could get 12 songs in that day. And we were having such bad technical difficulties. We actually didn't record our first song till 2 PM. And we only had these guys for a day. And in the next three hours, we just blasted out 10 songs and we were (laughs) able to to get as much as we could. And I think they were usable uh, for what we were doing. And then I spent the next several weeks just editing those videos. So May and June was pretty hectic and <laughs> pretty busy putting all that together. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. And, and so, yeah, I thought maybe we could talk about the virtual conference just, just a bit as you were uh, discussing that there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I taught on rest. So I taught a, a rest elective and really, as I hear everybody sharing stuff, it's like I had the least to do um, out of everyone scrambling to do all of the conferences this summer. But what's what's funny about the fact that I taught on rest is I don't know if I have ever been more restless in my entire life uh, than while all of this was going on and I was recording this, you know, uh, elective on on rest. I, I mean, always it seemed like r- repeatedly uh, just having a, a tape of lies from the evil one coming up saying, you know, who are you to teach on this? You know, as I was just wrestling with so much restlessness, not sleeping well, Michael, you shared that. And I was giving a big, big nod of just the sleepless nights during all of this. Um, but, you know, I, I was challenged a lot, I think this summer by um, ministry idolatry, uh, that I did not realize what was present in my own heart um, of really not knowing how to function. Uh, because, you know, as I think about my life, I've been in some form of student ministry since 2001. So my summers looked the same. And now all of a sudden, you know, this this summer, even though it's on staff with RYM, and it was different from when I was serving on staff at a local church. This The summer routine was completely uh 
you know, messed up for me. And so that was just a, a way I was challenged during the midst of this COVID season. So I was thinking maybe that could be helpful just for us to share a little bit about how the Lord challenged us. Um, and also I do want to give a shout out to, uh, if anyone has checked out the virtual conference stuff, uh, my rest selective was edited completely by Joe Deegan. Uh, so he had a lot of editing responsibilities. If you've looked at, uh, the, the worship videos, I know, there are individual worship videos now on YouTube, but if you look at the large group worship on uh, the virtual conference, uh, Joe did that with, you know, the band, not only leading the band singing, but then editing that. And then Joel May also edited all of the large groups. So just the burden of all of that virtual conference stuff being placed on you, you guys' shoulders. And, and Joel, I can remember you were at Laguna editing and uh, for those youth workers out there listening who have been to Laguna and we all love Laguna, um, it is awesome, but the Wi-Fi can sometimes not be the strongest, especially when, you know, everyone's trying to log on to, to the Wi-Fi. And so Joel is trying to upload hours of video footage on Wi-Fi and any Wi-Fi is going to struggle with that, but I know it lagged a little bit for him. So, um, that was a challenge for sure. But do you guys want to respond, say anything about just the whole virtual conference process, and then maybe we can share ways in which you all were challenged individually and kind of what the Lord was teaching you through that? virtual conference comments anybody want to chime in i'll just say um another another kind of just high altitude comment about the virtual conference like i think to a certain degree we all felt um multiple feelings as we moved towards it It was kind of a real bummer like by that time people were already kind of feeling sick of screens and watching things on video and we and we knew that okay this is not going to be you know Lucas films. Okay, this is going to be. Uh, this is this is not going to be some sort of epic, uh, you know, production, if you will. And you know, and and you know, a nanosecond behind the scenes, we did. We interviewed people in the video industry. We looked at different ideas and scenarios. We we did consider what could we do and how can we make this as best we can. And but at the same time, we uh, once again, uh, friends, staff, uh, board members, and the Holy Spirit just continued reminding us like, who are you and what are you called to do? And, and it kind of gave us a real calm. And, it, and at one point there was kind of like a, a real freeing energy that pushed into us like, hey, let's just go do this. Um, we've got five incredible preachers uh, who are enthusiastic about stepping into this hole of, of giving some great preaching and, and four great elective teachers who want to bring material to bear uh, we've got an incredible band that did a great job recording some beautiful music. Um, you know, we've got, we can put these things together and there were a few other elements to our virtual thing that we just couldn't pull together. But like, we just said, we're going to give it to you, Lord, and do what you will with it. And, uh, we know that everyone's not going to use it. We know that it won't fit perfectly with every scenario. But, um, I think for us, once again, it became this opportunity for us to just embrace our role as servants to the church and to do something rather than nothing. Um, and it wasn't just not nothing. It, it became a beautiful thing that, uh, you know, churches are using it this fall in their small groups, some of it, and churches used it for a week long conference. And it's, it's called a virtual conference, but you know, this is sort of a sales pitch, but if you, if you're looking for some quality teaching and video material, uh, it's all there still on our virtual conference link on our website. It'll be there for a while, but it's, it's great small group material. You can watch short videos for the electives. You can, you can use the music just for background music, or you can try to sing along. 
um, five incredible sermons and the theme, Do Not Fear. Uh, it's there for the church, and we've gotten feedback from uh, people all over the world who've used it in various shapes and forms. So that's been the Lord's way of saying, hey, and this is an encouragement to all of you out there uh, trying to do ministry in normal circumstances or during challenging circumstances. Uh, polished product is not what wins hearts. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's lowering yourself to the place of a servant, bringing the truth of God's word to bear in people's lives and knowing the people you're serving and what, what's something they need. We can't give them everything. You can't give students everything they need or parents everything they need, but the move towards them in faith, uh, trusting the Lord to work. Uh, and that's our hope, has been our hope for the virtual conference and is our hope that that material would not only be used this summer to kind of fill a hole, that, but it would be something that God could use for a long time. And uh, we're still hopeful for that to be the case. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on virtual conference in terms of how we arrived at it, but also our hopes for it, you know, being it, let it, it being what it is. Mm-hmm. Now that's a really good word, Michael. And yeah, just some, some good perspective there as well. Um, not, not really a sales pitch at all, just really sharing RYM's heart and how we hope the Lord uses that. So yeah, really good word. So look, as we're, we're starting to close this out, uh, does anyone want to share just ways in which you were challenged this summer and then kind of what, what you learned in the midst of uh, some of these challenging times? I started getting gray hairs. <laughs> hey, don't rub it in. I've had gray hair since 26, Joe. Come on. Uh, I really did. I've never been able to grow a very good beard. It's always really blonde and light colored. And like literally during this May, June period, planning for the virtual conference, I was so stressed out. I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, I think my beard's getting blonder. And my wife said, no, those are gray hairs. So that <laughs> happened. But uh, I think for, for me, one of the things that personally has been really hard, but also really helpful is having four little kids. Uh, and I know you've gone through this too, John, but the, you know, our, our kids are six, five, three, and one. And it's, it's been hard being cooped up with them this long. But I do remember a day really towards the beginning of all this in March, we went out to a, a park near our house with had a little creek and a walking trail and a playground and we pulled up at the playground and it was roped off in yellow caution tape and black garbage bags. It looked post-apocalyptic. It looked like we were living in a different world. It was just crazy. And I remember feeling real sorrow for my kids and thinking like, this is the world they're in now. This is what they have to grow up in. And it was kind of heartbreaking. And then my kids just, ran off into the woods and threw sticks in the creek and chased giants through the trails. And, and I remember walking away from that, telling my wife that night, like they had such a great time. You would never know anything was going on in the world because their world is so small. And it made me really appreciate, I think for one of the, you know, we've always heard that verse where Jesus says, let the little children come to me. You must become like one of these to enter the kingdom of heaven. But I think I really saw what that looked like through my own kids because they really do live one day at a time. And that was such a helpful thing for me to, to visualize at the beginning of all this. And to, it was, it's been amazing to me as hard as it's been. <laughs> uh, it's been amazing to me how much God has taught me through my own kids and just getting to see their response to all of this. Hmm, that's awesome. 
Joe, Margaret, Michael. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I'm a very like productivity minded person. So I like to see the finished product and it, it's weird doing summer conference planning. You really don't see the full fruit of the, the preparation until the conferences actually happen. And even then you don't necessarily see the fruit of like the spiritual fruit come to bear ever. Right. Like we're, we're hopefully planting seeds and watering seeds and helping grow people, but we don't necessarily see that. So um, doing the actual conferences themselves is usually sort of that, that product that we get to see. And in a normal year, about halfway through the spring, John, like you said, Satan starts to speak to us and say, hey, what you're doing is pointless. What have you seen? What product have you seen so far? And then you multiply pandemic and um, not having any clue what it's going to turn out like. You multiply all that stuff and you pile it on top and it, it was that much harder. And then when you go through all this sort of limbo processing planning stage and then you end up not having conferences, for me, it really, uh, it forced me to remember that what God is looking for is not a, a flawless, perfect conference or a flawless, like Michael was talking about, a super uber produced, you know, professionalized virtual video conference. Like God is looking for us to be faithful and to trust him and to do the best with the circumstances that we've been given and to strive side by side for the sake of the gospel um, and to be true and faithful to our mission. And I think that that's something that all of us really had to learn in different ways. And me specifically, just because of the way that I'm wired, I had to sort of relearn that and then actually take that to heart and really apply it. Just remembering, man, God is not looking for, God is not only pleased if we throw the most awesome summer conference for youth students that is gospel centered and word driven, but he, he is really just looking for us to trust him in whatever circumstances we're in to, to walk by faith, not by sight and to trust that God is at work. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a super weird summer for me. I, I've spent the last eight summers working for RYM in the conference department as an intern and then on staff for the last three years. And so to not do that at all this past summer, to not be with students, to not be with the rest of the staff, to not be with interns was super weird. And it, it was very disorienting. It was very, um, it had to, I had to reorient sort of the way that I thought about what this job was even about. Um, and yeah, I mean, God's continuing to work in those different ways just by making me be still and making me be content with the, the situations that he has put me in and to remember that he is sovereign and he is good in the midst of all of them. So, yeah, hmm. those yeah, are all cliche words that I could say right now, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe cliche, but it's, it's, it's good. So no, thank you for sharing that. Margaret, Michael. Yeah. Um, I think I just came, I think all of us came into, um, 2020 where I just came into the job in February with a lot of excitement and expectations for what 
this whole year would be, especially this summer. And um, I think realizing that we really have zero control over any of it, um, it was hard, but it was also something I think I needed to really lean into. Um, just like in the se season of conference planning, wedding planning, moving across sort of across the country, um, starting a marriage and everything. There's nothing I can do to control or predict or understand really what um, is happening, but just really, I guess, very basically just leaning on Christ and everything. That's something I've um, really gotten to do the past few months, which has been sweet. Mm. So. Yeah, no, I would totally, that the whole control theme. I mean, it is like we, to me, that has continued to come back during this, this season. It's, but we have believed for so long that we can control so much of our schedules, so much of our lives. And yeah, if we don't come out of this thing, learning that we, that just again, as I've said before, but you know, if the Lord wills, as James says, we will go and do this or that. I mean, to me, that just needs to be seared on our, on our mind, on our soul. And just let's not forget that during the season. So no, that's, that's good, Margaret. Michael. That's a great word. And I think I, I, I agree with that. I'm, both out of necessity, but also it, uh, it's kind of a good thing that can become a crutch is I'm a routine junkie. Um, and uh, I am most productive when I can get in a good routine. Um, and, uh, and productivity in that sense, even in, in my walk with the Lord, not that I'm producing, but as far as just responding to his invitation to draw near, which is, you know, really what he wants more than anything, more than anything we produce is that we would be near to him and he'd be close to us and he'd commune, we'd commune with him and in his word and prayer and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But like this whole thing just kind of threw everything off. And, um, and it took me a while to realize, and it was interesting as I was quote unquote coaching and giving some pastoral care to youth workers early on in the pandemic, when their worlds had kind of been, up upended people were just calling saying hey are you know what are people doing and have you heard any people you know doing this that and the other and i pay attention to a few youth ministry uh kind of spaces on the internet and there's just kind of was this sense of like what do we do when we can't do what we normally do and uh, and it revealed in me uh how much i can be frozen and paralyzed by um not being able to quote unquote do life and ministry the way I want or the way that has worked or the way that I have been that routine. And like all you guys were saying with, you know, not having a summer that's been the way it was and not having a spring and, and us not, you know, we haven't been able to have our normal staff retreat and uh, here we are already in September and still trying to figure out a time maybe to get together. And, you know, so these kind of things, it, it reminded me that, you know, me and I think many in ministry that we, like you said, John, we, we need to identify the idol of, of programming, of, of activity that we do in the name of the Lord. Not say that it's bad, but just realize that we can actually be leaning in those structures, leaning on those structures for a sense of, of, of finding life, finding purpose, finding hope, finding encouragement. You know, being, even, even when our programming doesn't work well in youth ministry, we at least say, okay, we did it and what can we learn and look forward to next week, right? Or, or next time. And, and when all that's kind of stripped away and it's just you uh, and the students and families you serve, uh, you know, it's, it's just so important to be reminded. So I was pulled out of that kind of moment, if you will, and, and, and seeing, seeing it for what it really was 
Uh, and as a staff, we've reflected on some words from Andy Crouch that, you know, that right now uh, the, the what and the how of our ministry can't be done the way it normally has been, but the who and the why have remained the same all along. You know, we love the church. We love students. We love families. Uh, that hasn't changed. And, and why we're in ministry is, is to, to bring the gospel to bear in their lives. So we just have to stop and think, okay, what can we do to bring that to bear? Uh, the Lord is, none of this is catching him by surprise. He's not like looking around going, what are we supposed to do right now? Um, he is at work and he's drawing people to himself. So uh, that combined with this, the importance of lament, um, what I've been challenged to is realize that my, my practice of lament, which is something I didn't really learn a whole lot about until probably having been a believer for maybe 20 years or so, but, but realizing that much of my practice of lament was very reactionary um, meaning something bad happened or something wrong happened and uh, and I would respond with lament. Now that's good and true, but at the root of that, it's very me-centered. Uh, something in my world was disrupted, so then I go and lament to the Lord. And what I think COVID has done, combined with a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, the social justice and racial justice problems we've been watching and seeing and participating in, it's, it's really helped me stop and, and look at the brokenness of the world in its many forms and kind of cry out, uh, in lament, like the Psalms, that, that, that really does begin in anger, and it begins with a, uh, a real frustration and, and, and disturbance with way, the way things are, out, way out far from me, but it has to include what's going on in my own heart as well. But just like the Psalms teach us, lament ends with hope based on the character uh, and, and promises and reality of God and who he is in his world. So, um, the Lord's really challenged me to see my dependence upon activities and programmings and routine. Not that those things are bad, but I can't draw life from them. Life comes from the Lord. And also just to really realize that lament is more than a moment. It's something to lean into, but, it, but it's, it's, it's super hopeful. Um, and, uh, and I remember when, when I was, the last thing I'll say, um, so that folks don't just tune me out because uh, I'm running <laughs> out here for a while. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, a lesson I learned and was reminded of recently um, when I was unexpectedly departing um, uh, one of the churches I served, um, uh, you know, it was very heartbreaking um, for a lot involved. And, and a fellow pastor friend of mine, you know, shared with me um, two things. He's like, you know, God's not on the other side of the wilderness waiting for you to get out of it. Um, so you don't need to be clamoring to figure out how to got to get out of your bad situation. God is actually in the wilderness with you. And if you read the scriptures, he often leads his people into the wilderness so that he can do something super intimate and powerful. And that's where it happens in the scriptures. So God's present in this time with me, with us, with his church. Um, and the second thing connected to that is that is we lean into God's promises, even when we don't see them necessarily being fulfilled in our midst. Uh, we have more questions than we have answers, but those questions will be answered um, if we lean into his promise that he's with us, he's near, he's, he's in control. Um, and those things kind of sound Christianese, maybe patronizing, but, but I think they stop being that when we, we really do put our lives on top of them and not just say them and stop and go, okay, I, I, I give up. Um, I'm leaning into this promise and trusting it to be true. And then say, with this daily bread you've given me, like, like Joel and, and you guys were saying, be faithful. What does it mean to be faithful today and, and leave tomorrow and the future to the Lord um, and plug away? So uh, it's been a challenging for sure but i think very rewarding season for me personally and, and i believe for us as a, as a ministry in serving y'all the listener in your ministries 
Yeah, I would echo all of that. And, and like you said, lament ends in hope. And it's it's a good place to end this podcast too, to be uh, ending on on hope. And just for all those listening who know RYM, who, who love RYM, continue to be praying for this ministry. Um, as of now, we're trying to think about our youth leader training in Nashville in January. And of course, COVID is still around and there's so much uncertainty. So continue to, to pray for us as we wrestle with that, as we have a heart that wants to serve the church, that uh, loves serving the, the local youth workers in the, in the church, um, but not knowing exactly how we can uh, pull that off. So just be praying for us. And you know, in light of that too, David Murray is set to be our speaker of YLT Nashville, and he's actually going to be on this podcast next week. So be sure to tune in there. Um, Michael, Margaret, Joe, Joel, it's awesome working with each of you. And this has been fun getting to catch up. So I hope you guys have a good day. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. It's been fun. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Outcast and the slave.